when I f was flying home, I thought, I love the experience of dancing. I don't like everything that comes with it. Hi, my name is Haley Grove and welcome to Dear Dance. I'm a professional dancer living in New York City and I'm searching for balance in and out of the studio. I think experiencing your life and nurturing all your creative passions ultimately enhances a dance career. So I'm speaking to inspiring performers and industry professionals about their relationship with dance and their other passions outside of the performing arts world. I'm connecting with dancers who decorate cookies, develop their own film, build websites, make candles, teach fitness, write poetry, and people who are changing the fabric of our industry, all while dancing their butts off professionally. I'm on a mission to discover the keys to a long creative career. So let's take this journey together, advancing our dance careers, expanding our creativity, and experiencing all the joy this life has to offer. Hello everyone, welcome back to Dear Dance. Today I have a very special holiday in America um, episode with my amazing, amazing friend Lizzie Croucher. I am so, so excited for you guys to see and hear her story and also just get to chat with her because being a little selfish, I don't get to talk to her that much because she is all the way in England and I miss her so much. So this is like a super treat for me as well as a amazing conversation that you're going to get to hear. Um, so Lizzie, she is an amazing, amazing dancer. She trained with me at the Laban Conservatoire of Music and Dance, Trinity Laban. I sound horrible saying it, but in my American accent, she can say it for you guys the proper way. Um, and we met there when I was studying abroad in, in England and Oh, I just love her so much. She's a gorgeous dancer and she has used all of her skills that she learned dancing all her life. She ended up doing some arts administration stuff and now has a full-time pottery business, which is like the coolest thing. I can't wait to talk to her about this. I actually have, so I'm sure we'll talk about it, but while we were at university, she worked at a really cute cafe slash like paint your own pottery place and this mug is a mug I painted in I think like 2012 and she was working there and I would always go visit her and I like painted this at the place it's a little banged up um, but I'm so excited for you guys to see her journey with pottery and her journey with dance and I have a really special video um, it's a very satisfying video of her showing how she makes her amazing hug mugs and she has such a cool style I mean I could blab about her forever but let me just show you the video and bring her in so I can stop talking <laughs> because this is a podcast you can't see the video but trust me it is great after the episode, make sure you head over to Essentially Haley on YouTube or Dear Dance Pod on Instagram so you can check it out. But while I have you here, let's hear from our sponsor. Surprise! The sponsor for today's episode is me. Well, not me exactly, but the Patreon. If you would like to support this show and get some fun perks, join the Supporter Squad. It's only $5 a month, which is less than a Dunkin' Donuts iced matcha latte in Manhattan. And instead of getting a cup of green sugar milk with ice, you will get access to fun behind-the-scenes content, early access to guests, and craft supply lists so you can craft with us live while you watch us on YouTube. I'm hoping to grow this community and we have a Discord so maybe we can have some movie nights or a book club or send some cool things in the mail. I've got a lot of ideas. Once we reach 100 patrons, I will be starting the Dancer's Dream Grant Program. This means I'll be donating $1 per patron every month to a dancer who has a creative project that needs funding. So that might be hiring a videographer for a concept video, paying your dancers for their beautiful work, getting some really good snacks for them, renting a studio because you cannot do another self-tape in your apartment. The bigger this community grows, the more we can give back and help lift other dancers up. If this sounds fun to you, check out the info in the show notes. And now let's get back to the episode. 
Isn't that the cutest thing you've ever seen and so satisfying? I love watching like all of those DIY videos and like on TikTok and Reels and just all the cool things that you can see people making and then see the final product. Ah, I love it. Okay, so without further ado, let's bring in Lizzie. just music to my ears hearing your voice thank Uh, you for having me of course of course okay (laughs) so we're gonna start today because you're the expert we are obviously doing a pottery themed craft and you are going to teach me how to make a little pinch pot so I have air dry clay because clearly I don't have a kiln in my New York City apartment but you have like super cool a, real clay a blob. <laughs> i have a blob of ceramic clay um which is really sticky and i've got a little pot of water so i can wash my hands afterwards um yes yeah, so i have ceramic clay <laughs> um i have ceramic clay which um i will fire in a kiln up to 1200 degrees i don't know what that is in fahrenheit i'm really sorry it's That's like stuff. very hot so mm. i always know that like when it's like 26 in in London, that's like super hot for you guys. Like okay. 26 yeah. to 30 is always like people are like, it's a heat wave. And that's about yeah. like high 80s, I think, here. So, okay. so it's, it's really hot. hot. It's really hot. <laughs> Moral of the yeah. story is it's really hot. So yeah. I have this um, like clay yeah, that so you, you can, just air dry. You can dry. make pots with air dry clay as well. Um, super, super easy. Pinch pots are um, kind of the easiest way into clay, and so is air dry clay because you can just basically make it, let it dry. You can paint it with acrylic paint. Um, it's not watertight, but you can put kind of dried flowers and sweet things in it. Um, whereas with ceramic clay, you put it in a kiln and then you glaze it, which is like a layer of glass basically, um, and then it fuses and then it turns into mugs <gasps> like this. Oh my goodness, look at the little faces. <laughs> I'm so glad that you started making mugs. You started with yeah. just pots, right? I the did, mugs. just plain, just kind of plain shapes. All my stuff's still really simple shape-wise, um, but everything now has a face on it. A I smiling one, it. not a sad one. So cute, I love yeah. it. I can put all of my little nice. paper clips in here or something. And then yeah. you can paint it afterwards. Obviously, I won't be yeah. using this for So with air dry clay, you can paint it with uh, like acrylic paint or nail varnish. Um, you can kind of mm-hmm. color it with pens. So it's it's completely your choice. Um, so cool. But with, oh my gosh, with this one, this. I'll have to let it. I'll have to let it dry and then I'll put it. I probably won't put this one in the kiln, but um, <laughs> let it let it dry completely and then put it in the kiln. Um, like this oh my gosh what a successful craft <laughs> we have pot friends from across the pond yeah. and oh, then you I can i mean it. i i have a friend that makes and sells pinch pots and mugs that's what she does she doesn't wow. throw on the wheel and i think it's the most you've got to be the most to, to sell to make and sell a batch pinch pinch pots you've got to be so yeah. patient that's so, so impressive <laughs> i didn't know that people even did that yeah yeah and they're amazing um, that's so impressive wow yeah oh my gosh well thank so, you for showing me this i love this right. <laughs> normally i'd put a little face on it yeah um, but i quite like this one the way it is so i might leave it i love it oh my gosh successful craft thank you sometimes the crafts are a big fail so this <laughs> is a good sign for for the new season okay so now that we've done our special craft I would love to hear a little bit about your journey with dance. I know I kind of met you in the like mid to end section of your journey, but Mm. what was your dance training before you went to university? Yeah, gosh, it was such a long time ago. (laughs) Right? I know. it's We We met 10 years ago. But we haven't aged 10 years. Yeah, 10 yeah, I but know. we haven't. Gr- you we look haven't the same, you? <laughs> <laughs> and you have short hair now um, again, so you really haven't yeah. changed. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. We met ten years ago when I was in second year, and you were a, you. You started when I was in second year, right? Yeah, yeah. So wow. before before I did, I mean, I could go all the way back. I've danced 
since I was like three years old. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've loved, yeah, I, I loved dance when I was a kid um, to the point where I, my, my, my mum and dad, bless them, would take me to dance classes five, five times a week. So like pretty much most nights of the weekday um, and then a whole day on Saturday. I went to a stage school um, in Kent, where I'm from, in England. Um, so, yeah, I was really, really dedicated to it. Um, I did a couple of, um, I loved ballet. So I did a couple of um, kind of extracurricular youth ballet companies. Um, so I did one in Kent and then I did one in London. Um, and I was fortunate enough when I was just like a wee little 13 year old, I, I performed on in the Peacock Theatre, which is near the West End or on the West End. I don't know. So cool. Um, so I loved ballet, um, fallen out of love with it now, but I did love it. Um, <laughs> and then when I was 16, um, my, my dance teacher for about three years had, had kind of always said to me, oh, Laban have got an advanced training program for young people, which is like a pre-vocational training. Um, so it's quite intense. So it's um, one night a week and then the full weekend of training in contemporary and ballet. And for like two or three years, I was... I was like, no, 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 I can't do that. I'm not good enough to do that. Or like, I'd just dismiss it because I was quite anxious about having to like go and train somewhere else. And then when I was 16, I just thought, I don't know what, I actually don't know what it was. I think it was because I knew at that point um, I'd, I'd, um, I was kind of at a crossroads. I either wanted to go to dance college or art college. There was no other option for me. It had to be something creative. So I thought if I'm going to have a, I kind of want to build up my portfolio in dance if I'm going to uh, audition for dance colleges. So I just thought, I'll try it. I might not get in. And then I got in when I was 16. Um, so I spent two years alongside um, sixth form. So like uh, 16, yeah, I was 17, gonna say, years like, old. Maybe explain a bit more about like how, I know we had David on um, a while ago in season one, who was also, he was in the musical theater track, but mm. um, explain a little bit about like, school and everything for people who might not know as much in America it's very different like you you mm. guys from my understanding you kind of have to make a decision about what you want to do with your entire life kind of you early kind of, the minute you turn like 12 that's <laughs> they, wild um, like to me minute, that's yeah. insane so, so year seven so that's like 12 years old so you that's go like our sixth school. grade I think yeah yeah um, so I went to what they call here like a grammar school, um, which uh -huh. is a school for girls. So I had to pass a test to get in. Um, looking back now, I wish I'd gone somewhere else. <laughs> but like um, even public if, school, if, you if, wear if, a uniform, right? In, yeah, in most yeah. schools. Yeah, Another uniform. wild thing. <laughs> weird, really weird. Um, um, yeah, so the kind of because it was seen as quite like an academic school, um, kind of the minute you started they're a bit like oh well you've got your your GCSEs in in three years um which is like a a set of like uh, I think it was like 12 or 13 subjects that you took a test in and then that determined what you did for your A levels which is uh then you narrow it down to three or four specialist subjects so it was almost like Wild. the minute you the minute you start secondary school high school they they want to know kind of what you're thinking which is weird because you're like, I was like a tiny little kid. You hardly and like, know who you were too big for me point. and my bag was like the same size as me. Yeah. Um, so, um, but I had been dancing all the way through that. And I, I, at that point, I actually wanted to go to the Royal Ballet School. So I remember wow. when they are, but they kind of, it got to the point where they were asking about subjects. I didn't really have a huge interest. The only subjects I had an interest in were obviously kind of art, um, which was just one lump thing. Um, we didn't have dance at my school. Um, and PE was kind of really sports and athletics focused, which I didn't really enjoy. Um, so yeah, art and English, I loved. So I just thought, oh, I'll just go towards those. Um, and then when it got to A-levels, when we had to narrow it down even more, by that point I was in pre-vocational training and knew I knew I was gonna just not go to kind of traditional university as they call it here, where you study um, like an academic subject. I knew I was gonna go and do dance. So. I narrowed my A-levels down um, to my, I don't know what they call it in America, but the test you take when you're like 18 to go to like, university. Yeah, so it's so funny because I always thought, like until I'm, I lived in England, that like mm. 
Harry Potter world and like all the tests that they took was like just a magic school thing. Like I didn't ever realize that that was like reflecting what you guys actually go through. So my understanding of like English schooling is like, oh, the real version of Harry Potter school. So like for us, we do like SATs or something if you want to like go to a university or college and but not all schools require them. It's like very like mm. willy nilly in America yeah. for education. Yeah. So we don't really have like some yeah. some like if you're Which, in a regular school, you have like your Massachusetts state tests. Like states have tests and stuff, but it's not okay. as like organized as England. I mm. feel like <laughs> yeah. Which, so who knows so what's to... good? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? None of it sounds great. When... <laughs> When I had to narrow down to like three subjects when I was 17, 18, um, I'd actually uh, already auditioned. I think I'd already auditioned. No, I, um, I'd i narrowed it down in September and I'd auditioned for Laban in December. Um, and I was one, I think there were two of us out of the whole of our sixth form. So uh, year 13 um, that weren't going to or weren't applying for university. So um, at the time, I think it's different now with Laban, they kind of do the generic application route. But at the time, all you had to do was physically audition, have an interview, and then you had to get three C's, I think it was, or three C's and a B. It was it was kind of quite, it felt really informal. So um, while everybody in my year was kind of like really stressed preparing for tests, like I have to get this to get into university, I have to get an A, B and a blah, 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 blah. By that point, I'd already got into Laban, so I knew where I was going. So I kind of didn't stress as much about the academic side, but I did I did art as my kind of A-level as my like something I really wanted to hold on to. Um, and I always thought like if anything fell through with dance, I even had it in my mind then like what, 13 years ago, like even if something falls through with dance and I have art that I'm going to keep kind of keep up. Um, so I'd already kind of got my place at like my dream dance college um halfway through my last year of school um so it kind of it kind of voided every everything I'd done (laughs) for the last seven years at school um but no so yeah I got that um and I started Laban after doing two years of pre-vocational training there already so I already knew the building I knew the staff so that was a felt like a real bonus for me for someone who's not good in new situations I thought it was quite helpful yeah, and it's such a beautiful building, and it's oh my god, yeah. If if you don't know, everyone go Google. I'll I'll put like a link to to their website and stuff because it's just like the building itself just like makes you want to create and be artistic, mm. and it's just like such a special place. So yeah, I'm so lucky that I got to meet you there. And then so you spent three years. So university in in England is only three years, not four like it mm. is in America. So. Then you did another really cool thing after you were at Lavon, which is so yeah, cool so I and was, like very exclusive. Like I was crazy. I was crazy and thought I want to do another year of punishing my body. <laughs> um, Lavon was really full on. Um, I mean, I'd already kind of prepared myself for it through going to school and then every, literally every evening I was dancing pretty much. Um, and then I had pre-vocational on top of it. Um, so after I finished Laban, I did, so that was my degree, so my bachelor's, and then I did a year at London Contemporary Dance School, which is in central London, um, with a company called Edge. So they were, they take 12 people every year, um, which now I think about it is crazy that that happened to me. My audition was on my birthday. I remember that. Um, and it was a year of working with, we were lucky that we got to work with six different choreographers, two of which were from Israel. Um, which was um, specific to that program that year. So we worked with six choreographers super intensely. It was like, it, the aim was it was for it to be like a simulation of a full-time company, which we were, but we were getting a postgraduate diploma with it at the same time. And then we did a few months, I can't remember how long it was, um, we did a few months touring. So we toured around the UK, teaching workshops and performing. And then amazingly, we got to go abroad. So we went to um, Portugal, we went to Naples in Italy, we went to Salzburg, um, and we went to Israel, um, so cool. which was incredible and just places that I would have never been to before. And the fact that dance took me there was amazing. Um, and that's like, I, I, it's, it's strange. I feel like I fate, like my brain has shut a lot of that experience out because I've had so many other experiences in different, like different 
parts of dance and, and art since then. I feel like I don't remember much about it, but I remember traveling a lot and loving yeah. it. Lots of trains and planes, um, really a really tired, physically really tired body. Um, but yeah, so I did that for a year. And then I so cool. stopped performing. <laughs> yeah. So you just, did yeah. you make the decision to just kind of like, was there something that made you just say like, I'm done forever? Or was it just kind of a gradual, like, I'm kind of falling out of like yeah. passion with this? It, it was, I think it was two twofold in a way. So when I graduated, I did a couple of dance jobs. I knew I wanted to work. Uh, I knew I wanted to work in community dance as well. So I, after I, I had a year of trying out performing and auditioning, um, I did a couple of dance jobs, a couple of teaching jobs. I remember really clearly the moment when I knew I wasn't not cut out to be a performer because obviously you can you cannot be cut cut out to be a performer, but work so hard at it if you really want it and you get it. Like that's like there's no. Yeah. It's set a, path. it's a totally separate. It's like the business of dance is so separate mm. from the love some, sometimes and like the talent and yep. the skill. It's a skill mm. to promote yourself and be your own advocate and yep. audition and agent. Like there's so many other things that go into a dance career besides just like loving dance. So mm, like definitely, it's to, like it's so true. I've seen so many people who are absolutely stunning dancers, amazing performers, amazing technicians. And it's just mm. their heart isn't in the like the other part of it that you're kind of yeah. forced to deal with. So like, it's yeah. it's so interesting. I yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Completely agree. Um, and the minute the minute I re- well not the minute I realized, but the I think the event that that changed things for me in that moment anyway. I feel like I've changed paths quite a lot. Um, I flew out to to um, Sweden for an audition for a company that I thought I would fit I, I just was like I want it I've always wanted it um the artistic director at the time I'd, pr- I'd just worked with in edge um I loved him very much he liked me as well which was great so I, I thought I'll do it like I'll just fly out I flew out with a friend um and he actually ended up getting the job um they wanted a, a male dancer they knew they wanted a male dancer but it was an open audition mm. but it was a great <sighs> experience um and I, re- I really enjoyed the experience because I knew what I had got myself in for. Um, I didn't get it. I wasn't disappointed, really. Um, I just liked the experience. I, I really didn't like, uh, I didn't like the audition environment. I didn't like any audition environment, <laughs> um, but I loved the experience of dancing. And I think when I f- was flying home, um, I thought I love the experience of dancing. I don't like everything that comes with it for a, as a mm. performer anyway. Um, and when I got home, I, I applied for an internship at Laban, <laughs> went back to where I came from um, in the learning and participation department, which is kind of community based dance um, as their intern. And I got that, which was amazing. And again, I actually feel like not I d- didn't get it just because I'd done lots of things at Laban, but I think that definitely helped me. Um, So I kind of thank my younger self for kind of pushing myself through that door. Um, So, yeah, I think I just I realized that I loved the how I felt when I danced, but I didn't like having having to do it for other people. Yeah, (laughs) Um, no, that's so valid. That's so valid and so real. Yeah. And I, I think I realized that I I wanted to work towards giving other people the the feeling that I felt when I was experiencing dancing to people that wouldn't necessarily have access to it. So I did a year's internship um, at at Laban, working with um, a huge amount of people, um, young people, older people, um, people who live with strokes, um, who have had strokes, who are living with the side effects, um, vulnerable young people who need to kind of build resilience, I work with such a huge range of people. So like the whole year was jam packed of dance um, and all the kind of, I learned the arts administration side. So learning to um, put on events and help out with projects and things like that. So I was kind of learning the basics of arts admin at the same time, which was great. Yeah. And then that you use those skills into your next path. I remember 
Um, mm. I you I remember I think I was visiting one time and you were you were interviewing for a really cool position. I think that you ended up doing it was was it at a gallery was that and then you got to bring dance to like I feel like this is when you're kind yeah. of art and dance <clears throat> mesh together yeah in a really cool Be- before, way before 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 I did that I had a job in between for a year um which kind of is how my kind of how my my business started which is strange yeah um because that was that was five years ago um so I I was dropped in at the deep end with a really intense uh, basically project management, dance project management under the cover of being in, like a coordinator. Um, so I managed a lot of programs, um, community-based programs, wrote a lot of funding applications, um, answered a lot of emails, <laughs> um, worked with a lot of different people. Again, a lot of vulnerable people, which um, I felt I found really rewarding. It was so difficult, but um, I found really rewarding to give them the experience of dance. Um, so I did that for a year. And while I was doing that, um, I actually picked myself up out of London and moved two hours away. Didn't know anyone. So I thought I need to get something going in the evening. So I'm not just sat. I lived on my own as well. So I'm not just sat at home on my own. Um, and as you said in the intro, I used to work at a pottery painting cafe in London. Um, yeah, I've got lots of those in my, <laughs> I've got lots of those in my cupboard. <laughs> Um, I love that. <laughs> so yeah, I spent four years working there. I I I made a lot of pieces, but it was kind of like painting onto pre-made pieces. So I thought I want to learn how to make pieces. So in my evenings, I think it was twice a week or once a week, um, I went to a local ceramic artist, a local potter, and just he taught me the basics of throwing a pot on the wheel for for six weeks, and then I literally went back every week for a year just using a studio and just kind of honing honing my craft in a way the basics of my craft so that's kind of how it started I kind of yeah came to pottery as like a bit of an outlet or an escape um and actually towards the towards the end of that year um I pretty much burnt out completely physically and mentally so it was almost like my lifeline in a really cheesy way Mm. no and I think that's Um, a that's a thing that people don't often talk about like as dancers, I think there's a lot of shame when you mm. stop or when you're not able to or when you have another passion outside. And it's that's mm. something that I, I try to promote with, with this show is that, like, it's so valuable to explore all of those creative itches that you have. And mm. also, it's not anything to do with you as a person. You didn't waste your time training for all those years. Yeah. You didn't, like, everything I really try to believe and tell myself like everything truly happens for a reason and Mm. like our dance training is so much bigger than just steps you learn so much from dance and just because you don't choose to continue pursuing it as a passion and as Mm. a career it doesn't one doesn't make you not a dancer and two it doesn't mean that you've failed it's it's part of your journey and I just I think it's so important to hear stories like that and like I can't wait to, we'll, we'll get into to all of your pottery <laughs> stuff, but like, it is so exciting to see you just thriving. And like, I'm sure when we talk about it, there's going to be so many things that connect back to your dance training and mm. just, I mean, even just the simple fact of you. Without, yeah, none of it would have been possible without doing what I did, because if I wouldn't yeah. have trained at Lab and I wouldn't have worked at a ceramic cafe and then I wouldn't have really known anything about firing a kiln. And then when I moved, like, I I performed, and then I kind of it took me, it took me uh, making myself perform and realize I didn't want to do it to go into mm-hmm. project management, and then that led me back to pottery. Um, but yeah, I think I I think I lent on on a different art form so much because in my my dance project in my kind of dance background where I was working, I wasn't being creative at all. I was. Mm answering lots of emails and uh, yeah. like calling lots of people and writing funding bids and getting really stressed out because I had so much to do. <laughs> um, other people would be like, I was allowed, I was facilitating people being creative, which was amazing. The end product was amazing, but everything else was just so stressful. So I almost poured my creativity into something else. Um, mm. 
because I wasn't being creative in dance, which is so strange because when you think dance, you think creativity. Yeah. Um, and it work. It, some people make it work, but for me, in the end, I couldn't make working in kind of arts admin. I couldn't make it work for me. Yeah. Because um, then, as you said, I then moved on to an art gallery. So I finished a year um, where I'd worked previously. Um, met my partner who lives in Colchester where I am now so it was like almost an excuse to move here um, because the art gallery was here and then I bought some dance there which was great Um, and then they they expected a lot of me I expected a lot of me Um, I think because I was so good at what I did because I was so organized and kind of all those attributes that you have to have in, in dance and as a dance artist and a freelancer I'd poured them into working for someone else and in the end they there was just they expected too much of me they thought I could do everything I thought I could do everything and I just couldn't um yeah. I ended up being the program manager for an art gallery which I never thought I would be um the director thought one day I'd be the director of the Tate Modern which is like a really big art gallery here and I think at that point I was like this is not this it's no not the I path can't deal I with want. this pressure yeah um, that's a, that I mean that's point, another bit, thing it's like you can be so mm, good at something but know in your soul that it's not what really makes you like sometimes it's hard because it's like well I'm it's easy for me I'm good at this but is it really Mm. making you happy is it really like what brings you the most joy because finding that balance is so important exactly and I didn't have it at all (laughs) and at that time I'd I'd started like making pots and selling them on Etsy um and I I knew I knew what I wanted to do I just didn't know how to to do it and I thought I'm going to be stuck in this job for years and years and years and not be able to kind of tip the balance of working for myself because I'm so busy pleasing other people Mm. um so basically all in all it took me four years to go from starting pottery loving it and knowing I wanted to do it somehow I wanted to make money off it some out of it somehow not off it um I wanted to make things and sell things and um have people kind of experience joy out of what I was making, which is similar in dance. You you make a piece of work and you want people to enjoy it or you perform in someone else's work. And and yeah. the ultimate goal is to bring joy, really, and to, to bring up kind of to be thought-provoking and make people smile. And Well, that's what I think when I think about dance anyway. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it took me four years kind of from the point where I realised I was done, done with my kind of working for someone else in a creative aspect to working for myself in a creative aspect fully wow. and that only really that's only really been a nearly a year since I went completely full-time as a oh my gosh, artist oh, I just love I just <laughs> love that journey okay before we get mm. into talking about Croucher Lee the amazing pottery <laughs> um let's play our first game ready for it ready for let me get my little it's time for would you rather (laughs) okay so i'm gonna pick randomly and if you're watching live or if you're watching the replay or if you're listening to the audio version of this show definitely let us know what you would pick so would you rather have fingers made of toes i mean not fingers made of toes would you rather have fingers and toes made of wood or sleep each night in an underground coffin Oh no, they're both awful. <laughs> I can't really have fingers made of wood because I won't be able to make anything. Yeah. But then again, I... Oh no! Mmm. <laughs> I'd have to... Oh God. I guess for practical reasons, I'd have to say sleep in an underground coffin. I guess I'd get used to it. I'd never it get used to it. It could be like having... a big one. Like you don't... Maybe it's a tomb. Like, you know? Yeah. Like you a could big, make it work. You would decorate like a big it really Like underground... Cute wooden tent rather than a coffin yeah i'll change the question slightly yeah i love it yeah that one go for that one (laughs) okay would you rather live in a nice house in the middle of an active volcano or never be able to close your eyes never be able to close my eyes yeah because you can just like cover them yeah that's true yeah smart look at you never want to live in a volcano no thank you yeah no not an active (laughs) one i feel like no matter how nice the house is you're you're risking a lot yeah (laughs) 
Okay, last one of these. Would you rather get bitten by a dog every time you go outside or be invisible to everyone forever? One of them might actually happen to you every day. (laughs) I know that sounds kind of nice. I that would be uh yeah I'm quite uh I'm quite introverted and like like my own company and I mean I love my friends I love my family I love my boyfriend and the dogs but you can still like talk to them right if you're invisible you can still be like I'm over here yeah so and like you could like cover yourself in like dust and maybe you would show up or something like glitter and then you can like do podcasts and not have to keep like looking at yourself thinking (laughs) do you look okay yeah amazing invisible sounds really good (laughs) (laughs) amazing okay let's talk your business we've teased it we've shown bits and pieces i don't know if you have any other things to show but i love looking at them Um, yeah i have I have the one of these little oh, ones. So, so cute. So I'm actually, so lucky. I have original actually, Croucher Lee ceramics at my parents' house because oh, I yeah. bought them a long time ago when I was visiting. Uh, luckily, I got to go visit you, and that is like so special. They're in my parents' house. My mom has them, and they have. They're like some of their oh. first ones that you made with faces. I think it was like kind of when you started that. So we kind of teased yeah. it. You started at at biscuit painting pre-made pottery and you learned how to throw on the wheel and you was like so cool that now it's like a full-time business like I can't get over it I remember when you had like a giveaway for like 400 followers on Instagram and now it's like your full thing like that is so cool yeah it and that even wasn't that long ago like even like uh like month to month I'm still developing stuff like I look back on um like I, I started doing wholesale um in 2020 really but it's only really launched this year which is strange because i thought with the pandemic it would just stop it would just dry up but um it's like my bread and butter a little bit now because it's uh stock is sorta from me so i have 12 12 or 13 stockists across the across the uk um i'd love to have some internationally but it is like jumping through hoops with shipping and like being a small business that's just one person is really difficult um, with logistics. It's like impossible nearly. One day. So how one many day. areas of England, like where can people find um, your pottery besides so just your website? Because this is so cool to me. Quite a few different places. I, have, I mean, on my website, I have a list of all my stockists. Some of them are completely online, which is great. Some of them are physical shops and online, which is brilliant. Um, so where I live in Colchester, um, we have like a big castle, which is like the museum. So they have some of my pieces there, which were my, they were kind of my first, um, local stockists, which is That great. is so cool because you took me to yeah. that castle when I visited. Yeah. And now they have your pottery. It's amazing. Have, like, yeah. like um, I just need to take a second to celebrate you and your growth <laughs> and like, because I am just like your biggest cheerleader and I want the world to have all your pots and oh, mugs in their house. You. Like, I can't wait till it's like easy to get it's them so all in weird. America. Like, it is just crazy. It's really crazy. Like, you've done this. So, okay, I'm going to stop talking and I want to hear no. more from you. <laughs> um, yeah, so I have one one in Colchester at the moment. I'd like to expand that um, next year, hopefully. And then where I live in Kent, I have one there. Um, my my mum's friend, who has been like one of my biggest supporters since I was painting pottery. So she, she I had my first like exhibition um, in her old shop. Now she's got a new shop, this like beautiful shop that's like dedicated to like UK makers and small businesses. Amazing. So I have my stuff there, and then I've got a few shops up north. Um, one in York, um, one in Trentham, which is like Stratford upon Avon way, I uh-huh. think, or Stoke okay. way. I'm really bad with geography. Um, one in Wales, um, dotted all over the place. Uh, I have a new stockist, two new stockists. One is online and then one is somewhere up north. Don't quite know, near Newcastle, I think. Um, so cool. But they haven't, they, they haven't released the new stuff yet that I've sent them, so I, I won't say anymore. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I just can't believe how many people have my work in their shops it's really weird and I've only been to one sh- two shops that have my work in and it just feels really surreal it's so strange um it's really weird. amazing it's really weird <laughs> it's really amazing so when did you go like what 
Because I know you were always, you were selling the stuff that you hand-painted before, I believe. Mm. And then when did you kind of decide, like, no, I can actually do this as a business. Like, this is, I'm, I'm going to do this. Yeah. I think I might have decided quite prematurely. Looking back, it probably, it, my work looked like I'd prematurely decided. But I think everybody's work has to start somewhere. Everybody's yeah. work has to start somewhere. Um, I think... I started making things uh, to sell, like uh, making things on a potter's wheel, maybe in 2000 and, oh gosh, 2018, 19, I think. Not sure. But like just generic things, like anything I would make and glaze and sell. And then one day um, I used to work out of a, um, like a communal, like a shared space, like a maker space. So one day I was kind of making pots on the wheel and I thought like, I kind of want it to, to, make me smile a bit more it just was a bit like oh it's well it's like it was like this it's like a lump of clay I mean everything looks like this and then you fire and it looks beautiful um this is literally like this is what it turns out like amazing um, and I just amazing. kind of I just put a little face on it and was like that's kind of cute I'll make a couple of those um and someone saw it and was like can I buy that I have a plant that I want to put in it and it will look like hair and I was like cool okay so I sold it to him and then I made a few more and put them on Etsy. And then I slowly realized over time that I was selling more things with faces on and less without. Mm. Um, just like the per like they just had a, their own personality. And everything I made anyway is a, it still is, is, is a one off. So whether that's like um, I have like generic faces, so they're kind of relatively uniform. There's, you've got like two on here. So cute. So relatively they're uniform with what they look like, but. The, the noses are different shapes and the eyelashes and the placement and some are happy, some it's are sleepy. Yeah. I love it. Um, so every every piece is different and every piece has a different finish that I sell on my website. Obviously, stuff I sell to stockists is wholesale, so it's a bit more uniform. So I, I made the decision, I think, in 2019 just to sell things with faces on. And I thought, this is either going to be really good or I'm going to lose all my customers because they're not going to want things with silly faces on. And now it's all I sell <laughs> and it's like my brand. And I never thought, I never thought that would be it, but now it is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, it's, it's so weird. I, I can't really define a moment where I thought, yes, I'm going to, this is going to be my full-time job. It kind yeah. of just grew on me. Um, and then obviously as things were kind of taking a turn with, with my employment, with kind of working for someone else, it kind of, the balance just shift. And then there was a, there was a point where I was self-employed as making pottery. And then I'm, I'm also an art technician, so I install art exhibitions. So, so I went back cool. to my old job as their head technician. So I was, I was doing art technician work and doing all their scheduling and booking everybody and answering lots of emails. And I thought, this is, I'm going back to old ways and I don't want that. Um, and I think that might have been mid last year when the pandemic hit obviously all my work stopped as an art technician yeah. so I poured all of my time into making and selling work and it was all online as well and it just kind of uh, it kind of went up and up and up and the interest went up and up and obviously because everybody was online and wanted to support yeah independent people and everyone was um, probably feeling so miserable I mean like yeah and what God, an yeah. important time to be bringing people joy mm. in their life through your art and your work like yeah brilliant the perfect thing that anyone could want mm. is like and people were like sending them to people with little notes and like it was it was it was lovely to be on the other end of to kind of see to see how much people were caring for each other even though they couldn't physically see each yeah. other or spend time with each other um and then i think i kind of turned around to um, the gallery I think it was August or September and was like I can't do this anymore I have no time because <laughs> I was yeah. doing everything full-time um, I was doing my pottery full-time and then when the world started opening up again I was like I can't do both things I don't want to do both things um, yeah so now I occasionally I occasionally help out but just like a casual technician um, kind of doing building work and painting walls and putting artwork up so it I have that option which is good because I while this like is amazing, like I can't believe I have to pitch myself every day I'm doing this, there are going to be times where I might struggle financially. My work might not sell, I might not sell a lot of my work one month, which Touchwood hasn't happened yet, but 
there might be that time so me being me I've always got in the back of my mind like what what if I don't or if I injure myself and I can't make something like yeah I was gonna say because let's talk about how physical pottery is it's it's so interesting that like of all the art forms that you could have gone into after dance like you chose a pretty physical one which I I I have to imagine (laughs) is 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 not a coincidence I'm sure that 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 has some sort of like deep connection I mean it's it's like watching you on the wheel it's it is almost like a dance it's like it is a rhythm to it it's like it really Mm. is a dance yeah I mean even just the the very 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 basics of throwing on a wheel and even kind of wedging clay you have to put your body weight behind it or you're not going to get anywhere and it's the, it's the same thing with dance. And I actually struggled with that for a long time when I was training because I was quite uh, I was quite small and dainty and really skinny. And I struggled with like putting my body weight in anything. And I kind of only really got the hang of it in my third year and in going into edge. And then when I came to throwing on the wheel and the, um, the potter I was working with was like, you have to put your body weight behind it. I was like, I know how to do this. <laughs> and... <clears throat> and I, I remember when I finished my first session, he was like, you seem a real natural at this. And I was like, it's because we like you have yeah. to use your body in certain ways and you have to be static for quite a while, um, which obviously as a dancer, you're, you, you are constantly moving, but you have to you have to be still like stillness is a thing in dance as well. Um, yeah which I, I have, I forgot about, but now I've just remembered. Um, so <laughs> yeah, yeah totally. you are, I am quite static for a lot of the day. Um, and obviously like learning how to stretch and learning about my body all pours into what I do. Like I have to take care of myself or I will physically burn out. I have done a few times where I've just gotten into the rhythm of working and I've just gone and gone and gone. And then I've maybe put my back out or, mm. um, I have quite, uh, quite bad joints anyway so I have to be careful but without my dance brain I probably would be less care like I would be less careful yeah. and I wouldn't know how to look after myself so a hundred percent yeah my dance training and my yoga training I've trained to be a yoga teacher last year as well Casual. so I fed my dance into that I yeah all of those things have really informed what I do um and now I'm doing it five six sometimes seven days a week you have to you have to take care of yourself in the same way that you would as as a performer you have to take care yeah. of yourself yeah how many did i know before we started you told me how many you how many pieces you made just this week how many do you typically make in a week or in a day it, it depends but now i'm ramping up for um for the holidays to sell in november and december um last week i made 60 pieces Oh which God. doesn't sound it in the it like doesn't sound like a lot but that's kind of sometimes my whole month's batch yeah um and that's not just like you can't just like throw a pot put a handle on it put a face on it and you're done you throw a batch of 60 and then you have to let them dry to the next day make the handles put the hand like it's making a mug is like a three-day process yeah i was gonna <laughs> which say is how why... long does it take to make one yeah. piece which is why handmade pottery is a higher price than buying something off the shelf. And I feel like right. I say that a lot. No, um, it's, it's so... important to, to make sure people understand that. It's the same with like, I mean, it, it ties back to dance as well. When it's like, oh, you're just doing a little dance. You're just making a mm. little pot. It's like, there's more that comes with this. Yeah. You see the final you paid product. For training, yeah. Yeah, but the materials, yeah. the training, like I think with both of the art forms, it's like, there's the final product that you see that you either watch or you get in your home and mm. use and drink out of, but it's like there's a lot that comes with it. There's a lot of energy put into it. So yeah. that's it's it's the same. It's, it's so many connections with dance. I love yeah. it. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and making it. Yeah, making a mug like this is uh, pretty much a three-day process. So I think I haven't timed myself. I should, but. Um, I think all in all, in terms of like throwing, handle, face, putting it in the kiln, glazing it, you have to glaze it and then put it back in the kiln. I think each mug takes about, I'd say an hour, maybe a little bit less, depending on the size and if it's a specific shape, um, about an hour of my my time kind of broken up. Yeah. Yeah. But then you've got to, 
it's materials and then I have my own kiln now so it's paying for the electric which is quite a lot because it's big kiln um (laughs) and it goes very hot so it's all those all those hidden things and I think it's the same with dance like there's so many hidden not just like um physical hidden things there's lots of like emotional hidden things as well Mm. that you pour all your time and all your energy into it and sometimes you don't sleep because you're like nervous about the next day for a performance or um sometimes you're just spent pacing around the kitchen wondering why I'm doing this and that's still energy you're pouring into your work so yeah yeah besides an hour physically making there's also lots of other things that go into it as well yeah but making in a big batch it kind of um makes it more efficient so yeah what are some of your other passions outside of pottery that you Ooh. that you love I know you like your time is it's it's oh weird God, because how do you when have it, any when, time <laughs> when I when I used to dance it was like all oh, pottery is my passion outside but now pottery is like what I do yeah. dance isn't this is really controversial dance isn't my passion <laughs> I don't I I oh my god I don't I don't I did do a I did attend like um a dance group locally to me that's obviously fizzled out due to covid I think they're reinstating it and I just at the moment I have no um passion to go back to it yeah um I have no passion to to what to go and watch it it sounds it honestly I'm breaking my mum's heart right now I have no passion to to go and watch it will it will come back I think yeah, because I, I think that's so important to be to, to, to be quite frank I had a quite a traumatic experience with dance and everything that came with it everything like friendships relationships that whole time was very traumatic and I don't think I've revisited that yet I feel like I need to unpick that and then maybe go back to it yeah. um I'd love to go back to it someday but um my body's not ready for it for a start yeah. um I'm nowhere near as flexible as I used to be and my stamina is awful and but, but it's no the thing is you can go back if and when you want to it's like yeah. dance will always be there for you and you're always Definitely. a dancer whether you're dancing currently or not or never again mm. so I think that that's yeah. such a such an important oh absolutely thing to bring I, I I think doing all my kind of community-based work and working with like like I work with people who were maybe like 60 or 70 and had never danced before like never or I work with 60 and 70 year olds who were professional dancers and then lost touch with it and then came back to it and I've I've seen I've had the privilege of kind of meeting people from all walks of life that have so many different experiences with dance and it's kind of been it's made me know that like I can drop it now I haven't really thought about it for a while um but when I want to go back it will be there there's always an opportunity there um but you asked me about my hobbies yes uh, tell me outside of pottery um animal crossing yoga yoga is a yeah animal crossing oh my gosh yes um I still play (laughs) animal crossing every night I was a late comer to animal crossing I got it this year January this year I think okay Um, okay I play it I play it every night we we need to play together again I know my island there's about to be a big update in November Brewster's coming the cafe so we're gonna have a lot more to do on our islands I didn't know that that is very exciting oh Um, yes oh yes (laughs) Animal Crossing um I don't play any other games but I like watching people playing games which is a strange hobby um my boyfriend is like a gamer like he plays he plays games a lot um, I don't watch him, but I sit and watch streamers play the games he plays, which are like... <laughs> is that because like he's not good? Sh- First-person no. <laughs> shooter games. I don't know why. I'm just like obsessed with watching them at the moment. Oh my God, amazing. Um, <laughs> weird. Like stuff that I would never want to play myself, but I would find too stressful. No, he's great. He's a really he's yeah. really good at playing games. He's got like a history of gaming competitions and stuff and coaching. Oh, wow. But I feel like I want to leave him in a room by himself when he plays. So I don't want to be like, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah, so I like doing that. Um, yoga, I practice yoga every day if I can. Um, I train to be a teacher. I don't want to be a teacher, but it's taught me an awful lot about myself and my practice, which is amazing. Um, and kind of a way to, for me to kind of disconnect from uh, life in a way. That sounds really strange, like disconnect from a, the stress yeah, of life. in a good way, yeah. Not life, the stress of life. Um, <laughs> yeah, what else do I like doing? I think that actually might be it, really, apart from going for walks with my dogs, um, seeing my family, obviously, um, which I'm doing this weekend and I haven't in a long time, so that's really nice. 
Um, I think that might be it. I feel like I live. I mean, that's I live pretty quite full. A, like... I mean, I, I dedicate. It's weird because pottery is something I do for a job, but it's also, it's also still a hobby. Like I can yeah. sit down and just make something for me. I can still do that. I think the day I lose, the day I lose that is the day that I need to take a step back. Because <laughs> mm. yeah. otherwise, it would just become. I'll just burn out in it again. Yeah. All right, well, it's time for our final game. Questions. (laughs) Oops. So I have randomly selected one card from each of our unorganized categories, and you can pick which color you would like to answer first. Pink. Pink, please. What is the most clever word you know? Oh, clever word. (laughs) When I, I don't know if it's a clever word, it's the longest word I know. When I was in year six, so when I was 10 or 11, we had, (laughs) this is really lame, we had um, a competition at our school to um, see you, to see who could say the longest uh, town name in the UK, which is in Wales. Um, And if you said it in front of the assembly, you got a pound. And I did it. <laughs> oh my gosh, what is it? And it is, I'm going to have to close my eyes because otherwise I'm not going to do it. It's That is a town name and I probably pronounced it really badly. So if you're from Wales, I'm really sorry. Um, that is a town, I think it's a town name or a city name. So that's the cleverest wow. word I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, that, yeah. Wow, that, I mean, honestly, yeah. with your accent, everything you say sounds clever, so... That took me back to year six. That wasn't that wasn't fun. <laughs> we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. Great. Pick another color. <laughs> Orange. What do you collect that no one knows about? What do I collect? Oh gosh, this is awful because I don't really. Um, I'm a bit of a. I'm not a hoarder at all. Like I like not having many things. Um, uh, incense sticks and candle pots. <laughs> um yeah I buy loads of incense and I only ever really use like two scents that I really like and then I buy like candles in glass jars and I can actually see them now I've got like six um (laughs) by my by my window so I guess I collect those yeah I love that yeah oh purple purple please what was the most memorable toy you played with when you were little oh oh my gosh so many I mean, the the most memorable toy I have, I had I had like a little pink. A lot of people have like um, toys that they were like bought home with when they were born. Oh, um, yeah. And I have this like little pink. Um, it's like a white teddy in a pink suit that's got like glow in the dark stars. It's got like a little jester hat. Um, and I had that on my bed until I was about 12. Um, and my now my niece sleeps with it when she goes to my mum's house so it's still there like 30 years later which that's is sweet so, so I guess I I guess that's the toy I like had the most contact with yeah I love that yeah. okay the last one of these how many yeah. bones have you broken how many bones I haven't both broken any bones Ooh, knock on wood um, or as you say knock on wood. wood I I'm really I am extremely squeamish so I don't know what I'd do if I if I broke anything I haven't touched wood I haven't fractured anything either I have had loads of weird injuries but I've never broken anything Ooh, okay I'm yeah touching please (laughs) (laughs) amazing well the last question that I ask everyone is what brings out your most creative self oh I have notes for this because I like to be I like to be organized and prepared I love it um so I have like a two-part answer to this so in terms of um pottery so I have a pottery answer and a dance answer okay so I'm at most I'm at my most creative in pottery so what I do now when I give myself um space to play Mm. and permission to rest so two things um I think it's quite easy when you're running a business by yourself or you're building a business to literally just be like I'm going all in I'm doing it particularly for something that's like handmade like crafted particularly with pottery because pardon me because clay is such like a um sometimes it can be really unforgiving so like one small movement on the wheel and it's just like oh I've got to start again um 
and I, I actually experienced it today. I was on like my 35th piece and it just, I just kept uh, having to squish it. And I was like, I need to stop. I just reached a point where I just like hadn't given myself any space. Mm. So what I'll do now is I'll give myself like a day or two. I'll kind of like finish off the pieces I'd done and then come back to it. And rather than be like, right, I'm coming back to making 10 pieces of the same, like the same mug shape. I'll just literally like wedge up the biggest ball of clay I can and just make something. And that kind of gets me back into the groove of being creative and thinking up new ideas. Cause I might make something that I'm like, Oh, I'll try and replicate that again. Um, so that's like a two part part of my two part. Yeah. I <laughs> so love like that. space and rest because I've realized I've only really realized it recently, but like rest is really important for me in terms of recovering my body because you think like, if you're looking at it, you're like, oh, you're just sitting, you're sitting down most of the day, but it's really physically demanding. Um, and I don't know if it's like a knock on effect from going from professional dancing really intense, like really intensively training was so intense to sitting in an office to now doing something physical. My body's really not enjoying that. So it's like, I have to rest, I have to make sure mm. I rest. And then I'm at most creative. I had to really think about this because I haven't been creative in dance in a really long time. Um, when I'm working with friends, collaborating, I love that so much. So I think that's when I'm at my most creative or kind of uplifting others. So in like a community based aspect, um, I think you can be really creative there because it's different ideas and different walks of life. Um, which is strange because when I don't know if it might be a different experience for everyone, but when I was training, I was under the impression that kind of creativity had to come in like quite a um, controlled environment. Like you learned choreography in a class and then you had to like, oh, go away and do this. And then you were like graded on it. And I think because that was almost drilled into my head, it was like, oh, you have to be creative in certain environments. So you have to have like a big room and you have to have music and yes. you have to have this and that. And you have to think about this. And it, it felt quite um, regimented um, and it felt like that for a while. But I think the minute I dove into dancing in the community and with people who hadn't had that training or were just at the beginning of their training um and hadn't hadn't been knocked out of them yet um that's when I was at my most creative and when I felt other people at their most creative when they didn't have any kind of preconceptions of I have to do this I have to do that mm. I have to look like this um yeah that's my very long I answer to a very that. short question <laughs> no that was that was incredible so how can people find you if they want to connect with you, if they want to get some of your beautiful pottery? Yeah. So I usually do like a, I call it a pot drop um, <laughs> once a month um, on my website. So my website is www.croucherly.co.uk. Um, are you going to, you pop it in like the notes at the yeah, end? Yeah, or... put it in the notes, yeah. put it in the description of everything. Um, so yeah, I ship all over the world. So, um, I've shipped quite a few pots to the U S which is great. Um, got lots of people in the U S who really enjoy my pots to put plants in. Um, so yeah, my web shop is where you can kind of find my pieces. I have some available at the moment, but like a really small amount. My next drop is at the end of November. So, um, Ooh. Christmas time. Um, Yay. the main way you can kind of see behind the scenes and the place I'm most active on is Instagram because it's obviously like an image based platform video based platform now but uh, image based yes. as well <laughs> yes that's a whole different conversation um so my instagram handle is croucher.li um because i used to use croucherly and then i deleted it and now it won't let me have it again um oh, no. so a little dot in between um so that's mainly where you'll find me um i have a facebook i don't have a tiktok i'm gonna say that right now um <laughs> Well, I don't do make have some one. great reels though. I so. make some good reels, so m maybe I'll be convinced to make a TikTok. But right now, I am. I I can't. It's very overwhelming. <laughs> That's too many things it's, to think yeah. about. Um, but yeah, Instagram and my website are the two places you can you can see everything. Amazing. We'll definitely have that all linked up and everywhere. And if you enjoyed this show, definitely check out the audio version that will be out um, in a few weeks. And that is called Dear Dance on all podcast platforms. Hopefully by the end of this week, the Instagram will also be called Dear Dance, uh, Dear Dance Pod. Um, but <laughs> unfortunately right now it is still the original name, Dancers Doing Stuff. So we're in a little bit 
bit of a soft launch rebrand situation. Um, and definitely subscribe to the YouTube channel, Essentially Haley. Um, I'm going to hopefully be posting more videos about just like dance and DIY and creativity as well as the weekly live episodes. We have another episode this Wednesday at 7.30 America time, which is like UK bedtime, so like you can catch the replay. Um, and definitely check that out. I'm trying to get to a thousand subscribers, so that would be really awesome if you have a YouTube account. Just like subscribe over there. Um, <laughs> and the only other thing is the Patreon. I'm going to be making some changes to the Patreon, but um, once we get to a hundred patrons, we will be opening up the Dancer's Dream grant program. Um, where I'll be giving $1 per patron to a dancer who has a creative project that needs funding, whether that's getting rehearsal space or paying their dancers or hiring a videographer or, you know, taking some classes because they've been in their apartment for a year and a half and they're finally ready to get back into the studio but can't afford it. Just a way to help bring the community together and uplift everyone. So definitely check out the Patreon. Like I said, I'm going to be making some changes to it for next month, but it's just $5 a month. I don't know what that is in pounds, but uh, it's something. I have no and, idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so less, check less out than five all pounds, of those I think. things. Yeah, yeah, because you, you guys, your money is probably, it's doing better than us, I think, right? Is that what that means? I'm not sure. Not I need sure. to look it up. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not really sure 100% that. sure about <laughs> not all those, those transaction <laughs> changes and temperature changes. Yeah. So we'll do some research. We'll do some math. But definitely check out everything that we mentioned. And thank you so much for being here, Lizzie. This was like highlight of yeah. my week or my day. Mine I still too. have more day left. I'm so glad that we got to chat and share your story with everyone because it's such a great story thank you for having me i've had of a great time course. and i've got Yay. a pot i can put in the kiln later no i'm gonna have to i'll share a picture of my um my little pinch pot when it dries oh, cute. yay amazing all nice. right well have a great night everyone and a great afternoon in america <laughs> bye mm. bye